you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, Rhett, together with you on a Monday following the divisional round where we had uh, one blowout and then some some really good ball games, which we're going to dig into uh, in just a moment. But before we get to that, I need to get some answers from you, too. I feel like I know you guys well, but I want to know you a little bit better to see what type of men you are. So, uh, Buck, if you were going on your recruiting visit right now, pretend you're back in college, and you were presented with the opportunity that kids are presented to nowadays with the photo shoot, which uh, is is players on recruiting visits taking taking pictures, professional pictures in front of you know Lamborghinis, sports cars, as well as like sitting on a throne with a scepter. Uh, sometimes and every every accessory they have, every sleeve, every wristband, uh, headband, you name it, they they've got it covered. Uh, these seem like pretty elaborate photo shoots. Would you partake in those? Number one. 
And number two, would you would you post them all, all over the internet? And I'll, I'll take Rhett's answer as a follow-up, assuming he actually got recruited. Go ahead, Buck. Uh, yes and yes. I would take the pictures for sure. I would make sure that I was dolled up and I looked really nice. I would have all the accessories that I could have. Um, and I would post them. And I would let the world know that I am on this visit and come see me now because you may see me at this place later. Yes, I'm on. <laughs> well, see, yes and yes for me as well, um, because if you ever saw um, my tackle football debut in sixth grade, I actually wore all of that uh, in that first game. Like my dad, had, <laughs> over the years, had given me all kinds of wristbands and towels and the whole, I mean, I, I literally looked yes. like a Wilson football ad, you know, with all, I mean, back when they had all the apparel and everything. Um, and so <laughs> if I actually had the opportunity to tell the world that somebody was recruiting me in that way, you better believe I'm posting that thing. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely would. hundred percent. And you see, I think, I think I would have taken the picture like, you know, yeah, if you're at USC and you're in the Coliseum, you know, the picture in the uniform in the Coliseum, no problem. But the the, uh, the 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 throne with the scepter that's a, that's a bridge too far for me. I can't I can't get with that. That's that's a little too far. I think Bucky Bucky's more comfortable in that setting. He's he's hoisting that scepter, you know, and, See, and he's, no, but he can pull you, that off. I can't pull like that off. Bucky Bucky, you could agree with me on this. I think because DJ feels like a guy that would definitely be dancing with Brian Kelly on like a rotating pedestal. Like that's oh, where oh, that sure. feels like DJ. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Back to back, just kind of. Just kind of doing the little boogie, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. That's DJ's he would be doing right that for there. sure. Uh, all right, I would not. I would not. Uh, let's jump into the games here. Let's start with the two that we had Saturday. Buck, the one you were at, uh, Jags and Chiefs. Man, we talked about it after the game. I thought this one was kind of there for you guys uh, in Jacksonville. This is a, a game where Patrick Mahomes gets that high ankle sprain pretty early in this ball game. You're in it the whole way. Uh, it's a four quarter game, but just come up a little bit short here. Your, uh, your biggest takeaway from seeing this one live experience matters. Uh, you don't understand the urgency that's required to win in the postseason until you play in these postseason games. And you understand how these moments happen in games where look, it's, it's in basketball. They talk about it being a make or miss league. Well, the same thing applies in the national football league in the postseason. Either you make the plays or you miss out on those opportunities. And there were plays to be made for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they just couldn't get it done. And some of that is due to their inexperience, but really the experience of the Kansas City Chiefs, a team that has gone to the AFC Championship game five straight years, a team that is led by Andy Reid, who has tied Tom Landry for the second most postseason wins. And when you've been in those kinds of battles, you understand what is required to win them. And so when Pat Mahomes limps off the field, Chad Henney comes in, Andy Reid changes the game plan quickly to make sure that the backup quarterback is comfortable. And that was really the difference in the game. A 98-yard drive led by a backup quarterback because Andy Andy Reid really cleverly and smartly changed the way that he called plays was really one of the determining factors. And so experience matters in those games. That's what I learned in watching the Jaguars and the Chiefs battle in Arrowhead on Saturday. Nah, that's a good point. I, I would also add, you know, this was kind of a one-man band. This was Kelsey on offense. They threw him the ball 17 times. He had 14 catches. Uh, a couple touchdowns mixed in there as well. And when you watch it, how they designed it and how they used him, I thought it was fascinating because they had there was four plays where they just leaked him out, where he's basically in in pass protection. 
He holds for a count or two. He kind of gets lost, and then they'll leak him out as a kind of a last-ditch option, or it was a screen where he's leaking out. They were effective with that. So, okay, now you're going to try and man him up. You want to man him up. The Jags don't really have anybody to match up with him. Rayshon Jenkins, that's a tough cover for him. You saw man beaters. In other words, you saw him on whip routes win. You saw him on a wheel win, which could have been a touchdown, but they they didn't connect. Uh, You also saw him on a pick play down in the goal line where they get a touchdown. So they have answers if you want to try and just man him up and solo him up. They had that covered. And then if you just want to sit back and try and play zone, he's so good on these curls and digs and seams just finding space. He's got unbelievable spatial awareness. And then you had a quarterback able to get him the football uh, with those opportunities. So, you know, Rhett, I'm coming away from this saying, if you want to try and take away their number one weapon, which it used to be kind of 1A, 1B with him and Tyreek Hill. Now it is clearly the gap between Kelsey and everybody else is enormous. Next week, if you're playing in that ball game, the Cincinnati Bengals can't allow him to beat them, which means you're going to have to see some bracket coverage. You're going to have to get your hands on him at the line of scrimmage. You're going to have to do some things that the Jags were unable to do uh, in this previous game. And for the and the good news for the Chiefs is that if that happens and if Kelsey is limited at all, you have other answers. And I think we saw one of those answers in a big way. And one of the reasons the Chiefs were able to overcome that Patrick Mahomes you know, limited mobility issue with the ankle, high ankle sprain at the end uh, in the first half and then in the second half when he came back, Isaiah Pacheco. The run game, like when have we said the Chiefs really dominated and could dominate physically with the run game? Uh, You know, Isaiah Pacheco is just a beast. Like, you know, he's not the biggest dude out there, but he plays. He literally takes every carry like he is never going to get another one in his life. Uh, And it just feels that way, the way he runs, the way he finishes runs. Talking about a seventh round pick here. And I really love when like playoff conversations also frame draft debates right and I think that's one of those ones that we always have with running backs are we going to get one in the first round Uh, are they just not valued enough to be one of those marquee selections in the first 32 or first 31 or you know even on day two like how much value are you going to put into a top level running back when you know that you know if your evaluators are out there and you trust your scouts and you go in there and you can find a guy on day three that can be a back like Isaiah Pacheco has been for the Kansas City Chiefs especially when you consider they took a back in the first round just a couple of years ago in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Pacheco has made CEH irrelevant. So like, I just I, I love that. And, and look, I think there are always going to be those guys and those running backs that are just rare, elite, special, Saquon Barkley's of the world. Maybe Bijan Robinson is that in this year's draft. But I love when these two worlds collide just as we're really ramping up draft conversations and on then also in the framework of the postseason, because it kind of helps helps us with some of these conversations as we get closer to April. Yeah, I think it certainly helps uh, the conversation, Red, And I think it's one of those things that we'll continue to debate, because I think you can go that route with uh, Pacheco if you have a guy like Pat Mahomes, the better the quarterback, maybe the lesser need for a top flight running back. But if you don't have that quarterback, you probably need a better running back. Um, when you think about this from the Jacksonville Jaguars standpoint, you know, because they're in a scenario with Travis Etienne and uh, Trevor Lawrence and how they're balancing that out. Uh, I think they'll look back at this as one where they missed opportunities. Uh, DJ talked about Travis Kelsey uh, picking apart the Jaguars secondary, having 17 targets, 14 uh, receptions. And even though they went into the game wanting to play Ben but don't break, there was an opportunity for the Jaguars to really seize control of the game when Pat Mahomes goes out and they didn't do it. And then you think about some of the other near misses. Christian Kirk is unable to hold on to a deep ball. Jamal Agnew fumbles the ball 
right on the doorstep of the goal line in the fourth quarter when you only when you have an opportunity really to cut it to a one score game. Those are the things that they'll replay in their heads over and over again. This is a game that could have been won by the Jacksonville Jaguars if they just had a few more plays go their way. That's what they have to learn. And that's part of the experience thing that I talked about in the early segment. Yeah. And, and so what's next, right? For Jacksonville talked a lot about it this year on the podcast, especially late, like how they really hit on free agency this year, especially with the pass catchers and the targets for Trevor Lawrence. And then you look on the defensive side of the ball, a bunch of contributors, Foye Luakon at linebacker. They found a bunch of guys. I'm really curious now to see the Calvin Ridley effect next year. Obviously did not play all of this year on suspension. They get him, um, via trade from the Atlanta Falcons, like what's left there. And I mean, cause when that dude's healthy and when he's rolling, like that's a number one wide receiver. Um, are you going to be able to pay Evan Ingram? You know, I, I just feel like you've got to continue based on what we saw from Trevor Lawrence this year. You've got to continue to support him both with targets and with guys, big guys up front. You, you cannot miss by drafting offensive linemen, for a marquee quarterback like that early, whether it's round one, two, three, I feel like in day one or day two, they've got to come away with uh, with another target and another offensive lineman to continue to support Trevor Lawrence and maximize that potential that we all know uh, that we kind of started to see this year, DJ. Yeah, I think you get Calvin Ridley in there. I think this offense, already really good, is going to go to another level. You saw him get better and better and better. To me, the offseason is going to be about pass rush. This is a team that had 35 sacks last year. Uh, keep in mind, the Eagles led the league with 70. They doubled them up. Uh, you look at, at KC at 55. So there, there's more that needs to be done there. Josh Allen led this team with seven sacks last year. Smoot had five. Arden Key, four and a half. They need some fastballs to kind of complement what they have, get some more depth, and be able to roll those guys through. This offense is going to get you a lot of leads. They've got to figure out a way to get to the quarterback a little more efficiently uh, in the future. So that, to me, is one thing you got to look at. Um, all right, let's move to the next game here. We've got Giants-Eagles and, uh, and Buck. This was not a competitive game. Uh, this was an absolute beatdown. What was your uh, your takeaway here with the Eagles just thrashing the Giants? Uh, old school still works. And old school, by meaning old school, I'm talking running the football, building your team a certain way with the offensive and defensive lines being a priority. Yeah, it still works in today's football. But the way the Eagles went at the New York Giants, to me, was surprising but also impressive. A week ago, we talked about the Giants' front line, their defensive front line, absolutely dominating at the point of attack, and the Eagles ran right at them. They had a game plan where they were going to run the football. They ran the ball over 40-plus times, had over 260-plus yards against them, and they didn't let up. And this is a team in the Philadelphia Eagles where we celebrate all the shiny pieces on the outside, but at their heart of hearts, they are a downhill running team that wants to beat you up. Uh, They overpower you. And they did that. And I never thought that they would be able to kind of manhandle the Giants like they did. But man, from the opening snap to the final whistle, dominated the team in a physical fashion. And old school NFC East butt kicking, that's what they issued out to the New York Giants. Yeah, it was trench dominance, both sides. Um, Think about this. The Giants only ran 52 plays. So this Eagles team getting ready to go take on a very physical San Francisco team, this Eagles bunch is going to be fresh. Their offense, as Bucky mentioned, they controlled the clock. They ran the ball down the Giants' throats. The defense only had to be out there for 52 snaps. Keep in mind, I think it's the deep, deepest front that we have in the NFL. You have four guys with 11-plus sacks during the regular season, never been done before. They're rolling guys through. Rhett, we were talking about this before we went on the air. I mean, I, 
you have Brandon Graham only has to play a dozen snaps in this game, and he can go out there and give you 100% of everything he has because they're able to keep guys fresh and roll them through. You see Sweat. You see Hassan Reddick. You have Hargrave inside. You've got so many different ways to get to the quarterback. I, I mean, I know we're still talking on this game, but, man, how about strength versus strength next week? San Francisco in the trenches, the Eagles in the trenches. Make no mistake about it. Those are the two best teams at the line of scrimmage with the most depth at the line of scrimmage in the NFC, if not the NFL. I can't wait for that one. Yeah, I mean, D-line depth obviously has been a talking point for the Eagles defense all year long. And the fact, you know, you saw Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick with their hair on fire in this game coming off the edges. Uh, either one, either side, whichever way it was, they were finding ways to put pressure on Daniel Jones in this game. I think they had combined like 14 pressures. Uh, they had three sacks between them, uh, you know, one and a half for Sweat. And I, I just... I love the story of Josh Sweat. And, and again, I'm, I'm just like so focused on on looking towards the future for the draft that like thinking about where he came from, how the Eagles were able to get him. You know, he was a guy who had the, the triple knee ligament tear back in high school, uh, you know, and kind of took those medical questions with him into the draft process. And so Philly gets him in the fourth round, signed him to a three year, 40 million dollar extension in September of last year. He was a pro bowler. Last year ends up with 11 and a half sacks this year for the Eagles uh, and didn't play in week 18 due to the neck injury suffered in week 17. Um, so, I, I mean, that contract extension looks like a bargain right now for Josh, Josh Sweat, who, who might be, you know, talking about, you know, 16, 17, 20 million dollars a year if he was out there on the open market. So, again, just credit to the Eagles personnel department, you know, for finding a guy like that, uh, for having the courage to take him in the fourth round for extending him maybe before, right? He truly broke out and seeing what he could become and then reaping the benefits of it now. Just such a really, really good player for this team. Yeah, really good player. And I think that's one of the things when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, man, you just recognize the talent that they have. We can talk about the trenches. We can talk about on the perimeter. Uh, they have a bunch of blue players, which is why they're one of the four teams that's remaining. For the New York Giants, I think this was a reality trek. I think this is one where now you can – put the emotions away on what was a very surprising but impressive year rookie debut for Brian Dayball and Joe Shane. Well, now you've had an opportunity to look at your team against one of the best teams, if not the best team in the league, in the Philadelphia Eagles three times, and you see where your glaring weaknesses are. And so you can go back to work in the offseason and figure out how can we upgrade the talent on this team? Because this year, team played great with effort and energy, but there were some holes, some personnel deficiencies that need to be addressed. Well, now that you took a beat down like they did in the divisional round, now you're definitely eager and you approach the offseason with an urgency to make sure you address the needs that have been exposed. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, the Giants offseason starts with the questions of, about how they are going to keep Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones in particular in the fold. I mean, you know, I'm not going to give you my Batman rant again. I, I, I still believe, despite this performance, that, that Daniel Jones should be carrying around a big old bag of money uh, from the New York Giants. And you know what's kind of funny is like you just don't hear the effusive praise, you know, coming from the Giants directed towards Daniel Jones. And, you know, sometimes it makes me wonder. Sometimes that's just the nature of the head coach. Yeah, you don't see that a lot, you know, from Bill Belichick or from some other coaches, uh, you know, talking about players in that way. And. I just I just feel like Daniel Jones has earned the right to have that kind of respect and to have that kind of talk and conversation about him based on how far he helped bring this team this year, considering all that was around him or wasn't around him, perhaps. So I'd love to see Daniel Jones get some respect uh, and, and perhaps, you know, seeing that, you know, that name 
that he puts an ink on that dotted line uh, down there on that contract uh, will begin that conversation uh, for him, you know, within that building. And, and, you know, maybe it's already there and we just don't see it as much publicly, but I also love to see him kind of support him a little bit uh, in this draft and in free agency. I know it's not a super strong class in terms of wide receivers, both in the free agent market and in the draft class, but maybe, and I know we're going to get into some mock drafts here today. Maybe the giants draft spot here, where that what 25 in the mid twenties there actually aligns with the value at the top of this year's wide receiver draft class. So maybe it ends up working out for him. It was funny. I was thinking about this with Brian Dayball. Think about what they did in Buffalo. They went out and got Stephon Diggs. They got a chance to see yes. this offense that they had. They didn't have enough playmakers. They make the trade for Stephon Diggs, who was not happy at the time in Minnesota. Now I'm thinking of Stephon Diggs at the end of the game the other day. Didn't look very happy in Buffalo. So maybe they just run this thing Come on, back. They obviously have the relationships with, with Joe Shane and Dayball saying, hey, no, 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 come come back with us. Uh, let, let's let's uh, run this back together, see if we can't help out another quarterback here in Daniel Jones. Because I have known uh, over the years, when you give players more money, uh, magically they uh, become happier with their role and how often they're seeing the football. So anyways, we'll, we'll see if they can attract a veteran receiver. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be Stephon Diggs, but find somebody out there. They need a number one. Uh, where can they find one of those for Daniel Jones? Help him take that next step. Fascinating offseason ahead for the Giants. Um, all right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to jump into Bengals, Bills, Cowboys, Niners. Uh, two really interesting games we saw on Sunday. We'll break those down right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Casella Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. 
Plus. When you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. NFL Plus is here, which means no matter where you are, this is how you football. You can stream live, local, and primetime games on your phone or tablet, 45-minute game replays with NFL Plus Premium, and more. This is the NFL for every fan. This is football freedom. This is your game on the go. Go to plus.nfl.com and sign up now. All right, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they go on the road, and they take care of the Buffalo Bills 27-10 in a game that was... Really never in doubt. I thought, I thought the Bengals from that first possession, they marched right down the field. Uh, Joe Burrow made it look pretty easy. And I go back and, and I think about him coming out and what we said about him. We all loved him. It was not a, uh, it was not a tough evaluation. But I think the word, and it's a, it's a great word to keep in mind when you're evaluating quarterbacks, is the word poise. And I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback that I've ever evaluated that has the poise of Joe Burrow. I you know, you can compare it. I, I did a breakdown one time. I've told the story before when I was working with the Ravens and it was, you know, Tom Brady had just kind of exploded on the scene and we we're trying to figure out like, golly, what is it that makes him so special? And I remember pulling clips from a snow game. Uh, I don't believe it was the, uh, the tuck rule game, but another snow playoff game. And he's got pressure all around him. It's bad weather. And his feet were so calm. He was so quiet in how he operated. And I see the same exact traits here from Joe Burrow. Uh, Buck, to me, we can talk about the uh, you know the decision making, the accuracy, the ability to extend plays, which he showed a little bit of in this one as well. But it's his poise that's just such at a level that nobody else is even close to in the NFL at this point in time. Oh, uh, he's a difference maker. I mean, he has exceeded uh, 
all the expectations I had for him as number one overall pick in Cincinnati. He has completely flipped the culture there with some of the other guys. And when I look at this team, this team is built to last. You know, and it's funny because this team was the one that was coming off of the Super Bowl appearance, but yet I still felt like we always put them behind the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs whenever there was this conversation. Well, now they're here. And when you really look at the way the team is constructed, they're built to last. Franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. Playmakers galore and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, running back and Joe Mixon. You think about their defense, we always talk about quarterback and pass rushers. Well, now you got Trey Hendrickson, you got Sam Hubbard, you have linebackers and Logan Wilson. And then what they have in the secondary, guys that are versatile players that can play off, that can play man or zone and do a bunch of different things. Man, this roster puts them in a situation where they're going to be in the conversation. So when Joe Burrow talks about the window being open for as long as he is around, I believe him because the roster they've constructed has certainly put them in a place to do that. And I'm saying that with their offensive line being a patchwork unit that is still in progress. Yeah, you know, I I think um, I, I remember a lot of conversation this week about trying to find Andrew Whitworth, a flight out to Cincinnati, you know, to start at left tackle. Uh, for the injured Jonah Williams. I know everybody's having fun with it, but like get with the, you know, the Bengals need Andrew Whitworth. There's no way they're going to be able to survive this Bills defense losing three of their starting five offensive linemen in this game. Well, Jackson Carmen, who started 27 games in his final two years at Clemson at left tackle, starts his first career game at left tackle in the NFL this year after being drafted in 2021 and absolutely uh, passes the test for protecting Joe Burrow's blind side for creating run game opportunities. And, you know, DJ, I actually remember having a conversation with you inside training camp live. I was in Cincinnati summer before his rookie year. You know, I'm like, God, Jackson Carmen, he was a good player at Clemson, second round draft pick guys buried on this depth chart and not even a tackle, but a guard. It's like the third team right guard for an offensive line that, you know, I mean, it's not among the top units in football. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> well, it turns out you kick this dude out to left tackle where he played all of his college football. And he's a pretty darn good player. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think about a couple of plays, the first drive, the Jamar chase touchdown from Joe Burrow. I mean, dude takes two, right? I mean, he put, he washes down the edge rusher and then pops back out to get a late blitzer off the edge allowing Burrow to step up and step through and throw that touchdown pass to Joe Burrow or to uh, Jamar Chase. And then you think on a third and short pitch out left to Joe Mixon right around running behind Jackson Carmen. He absolutely erases Tremaine Edmonds off the screen. It happens right here uh, on the left side uh, going to, towards the sideline. I mean, like that, that is a really nice piece to be able to have and put in there at left tackle when Jonah Williams goes out. So I thought that offensive line did a fantastic job limiting the pressure on Joe Burrow and creating room for the Bengals run game to put up their second best performance in terms of total rushing yards of the entire season. Yeah. So it's funny. You talked about that uh, offense and the way they're built and the clear identity that I believe the Cincinnati Bengals have. I believe the Buffalo Bills are a bit of a crossroads. Um, we've seen this team in the last three years appear to be a team that is ready to go to the Super Bowl, but they've fallen short. And now I wonder if this team is not only plateaued, but if they're now beginning to regress and come back to the pack. And so when you're looking at the team and you're trying to figure out how can you help them get better, they have to figure out offensively what is our identity going to be. Are we going to continue to be the big play team that really um, hangs on uh, the, the success that Josh Allen is able to kind of produce with these magical plays? 
or can they build a more balanced offense to take some of the pressure off of him to kind of be the big play hunter where they can play a more controlled game? Because that was the difference in this game uh, on Sunday. The Bengals could play a control game with Joe Burrow kind of changing speeds, whereas Josh Allen is always going to be the big play hunter. I think Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean have to sit down and assess how can we take a very good offense and make it better because what we've been doing the last three years has not been good enough to get us over the hump. You know, I'm still sometimes perplexed, and I think this is part of what kind of confused me with this Bills offense this year is just the lack of consistent connection between Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs when things weren't going so well. Like when when this team was really struggling on offense, it's because Stefan Diggs wasn't as big of a part of the game plan as we've seen in his first couple of years there in Buffalo. Not game plan, but in terms of efficiency and execution. Uh, he's always going to be a big part of the game plan. But you saw that the miss on the first that first uh, drive for the Bills kind of set the tone for the day. It was like, and then they just couldn't quite create the type of chemistry and connection that we've come to expect and associate with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Ten targets, just four receptions? I, that's not the type of production that you expect from that duo as one of the best in all of football in terms of quarterbacks and wide receivers. And it's got to be better um, for the Bills moving forward. they got to find a way to create those opportunities to get the ball into Stephon Diggs' hands and let him go. I mean, that's what we loved about this offense, you know, when Brian Dayball was there and in, the, in these last couple of years. And at times this year, they were on that same page and were able to connect in that way. It just didn't happen in this game. Um, and DJ, it's just, it, it, that's got to change. And that's got to be, a, they've got to find ways to get Stefan Diggs the football and get him involved in these big moments. Yeah, absolutely. I also think they just need to be more physical up front. And that is going to have to be with some personnel changes. They need to get better offensive linemen. They need to add a bigger, more physical back to complement what they already have there. Like James Cook, I like Singletary, but I'd like to have somebody that could, help you control and possess the football a little bit more, uh, get a little bit bigger to complement what you have there. So that's on the offensive side. You guys have, have hit that pretty well. I also think on the defensive side, I love Tredavious White coming out. He's a great player early in his career. Coming off injury, he did not play well. Uh, did not play well in this game or uh, a couple other games down the stretch. I think they need more talent. They need to get younger. They need to get faster and more athletic uh, on the outside at corner. So continue to add to that group as well. So that that's uh, something to keep an eye on there for Buffalo as we go to the offseason. All right, Cowboys, yeah, 49ers. Um, this is a game. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, I think that that the way that you were talking about on the for the Bills on the offensive line, I think you could see that on the defensive line, too. Like that that front has been gashed now a couple of different times in the run game. And it was in this game against Cincinnati. Like they need a dude that can get in there and eat up some space on the interior of that defensive line. Uh, I didn't feel like Ed Oliver was as big of a piece of the of the of the defensive effort as maybe you might have expected. I look a guy like Mozzie Smith. Um, I'd be looking at, you know, in that day two range for Buffalo as a guy that can help kind of establish a physical presence in the run game. Um, as we kind of get forward into the draft conversations, but I'll get, I'll get it back to you now. No, 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 that'll be good. It'll be an interesting team to follow here in the off season, what they do, uh, especially now that you've paid your quarterback. So that makes it a little more tricky in terms of upgrading all these other pieces. Uh, Buck Niners, Cowboys, not the most aesthetically pleasing game, but the Niners kind of made it a muddy affair and they got it done. Uh, your biggest takeaway from this one on their on their side of things? 
Uh, Kyle Shanahan went back to running the football and his creative run schemes really made a difference. Uh, you go back and you look at this game, this game was tight throughout the contest, but when the 49ers really started to make hay, uh, Kyle Shanahan kind of changed what they were doing. You know, for years, we've always heard Kyle Shanahan and their system talked about the outside zone. They want to run outside zone and run complimentary bootleg stuff. And even though he's evolved and expanded the run game package the last couple of years, we saw that happen in, in real time against the Dallas Cowboys. More pin and pull stuff, more gap schemes, more counter action stuff that allowed Christian McCaffrey to begin to find some creases. And the thing is, and I don't know if this is intentional, this is part of what the Niners have done, but if you go back and you think about how Christian McCaffrey played at Stanford, it was a team that ran gap schemes, pin and pull, guard pulling around, coming hitting up inside. They have now kind of put him back in what I would say his sweet spot as a runner is. That enabled this team to control the line of scrimmage. It enabled them to run the football the way they needed to run it to take some of the pressure off Brock Purdy. And so... Pass off to Kyle Shanahan because he did it again. He really leaned into the running game, and that running game is what kind of stabilized and steadied the offense while they were trying to find their identity against the Cowboys. I just feel like, did anybody actually have any confidence in the Cowboys in those final two or three minutes that they were going to find a way to defeat that 49ers pass rush and the 49ers defense in general? Like the 49ers possess probably the best closing time defense in all of football. Like the way that Nick Bosa, you know, gets after it. And he, he took a couple of shots himself, by the way, on a couple of those hits and some uh, offensive linemen peeling back to try to provide time for Dak. But I just, I never had any doubt with San Francisco doing what they had to do at the very end to find a way to close out that game. Whether it was Charvarius Ward, you know, back there in the secondary or, or Nick Bosa or Eric Armstead, whomever it was. Like, I just have ultimate confidence in that group and, and the way that D'Amico Ryans has that group playing that they're going to find a way if they have a lead at the very end to preserve it. And uh, that's just and, and DJ, I mean, Fred Warner, obviously a big part of that as well. Yeah, what he does is unique. I mean, you're going to see that play a million times uh, where he's lined up at the line of scrimmage and he's able to get all the way down the seam uh, with CeeDee Lamb. It's just There's not many guys that can do that, and it allows you so much freedom and so much flexibility. And it reminds me of that 49er defense when you had Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis because you don't ha have to get your subgroup out there because these linebackers can run and cover like safeties. So you've got somebody that's physical, that can make plays on the other side of the line of scrimmage against the run, and you got somebody that has unbelievable range in coverage. That And not to mention, he's so long. Uh, it makes it difficult to kind of work in the middle of the field. So uh, he, to me, is is one of the most impressive players in the league. And, and even though he gets some accolades in terms of all pro and, and all that stuff, I don't know that he's talked about quite enough uh, on a defense with Nick Bosa. It doesn't quite get all the credit he deserves. He is a unique player. Uh, with all that he can do. So uh, a big-time game from him. On the Cowboys side of things, Rhett, a lot of different places we can go. What was your takeaway there going forward? Well, I mean, I think obviously, you know, both figuratively and literally, the Tony Pollard injury really hurt Dallas. I think he was going to be a massive part of this game plan. I think you saw that commitment to getting him the football early in the game. He goes out in the second quarter, and, you know, I think you lose a real explosive piece to this offense. And now what does it do for Dallas? Well, it forces them – you know, into some situations, you know, that they they probably would have loved to have avoided in the second half and after that injury. And, and now even further complicates things for them moving forward. What were they going to do with Tony Pollard anyway? How are they going to commit resources to him uh, in terms of trying to keep him in the fold for next year and beyond? How does that injury, um, you know, complicate things? Obviously, it's something that Dak Prescott, um, you know, and Jerry Jones and that organization were able to figure out following Dak's 
you know, major injury. And uh, look at Tony Pollard just walking off on a broken ankle. That's incredible. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I just I hope they find a way. I hope the recovery goes great because I think this Cowboys offense, man, with Tony Pollard, um, it's fun to watch. And uh, we were we were kind of robbed of that do that unfortunate injury in the second quarter. Yeah, they need more playmakers uh, offensively. They need to surround C.D. Lamb and Tony Power with more help and more guys. Dalton Schultz did not play well in this game, including at the end, which is zero awareness uh, there on the sideline. That'll be interesting to see uh, what they end up doing next year, try and get some more weaponry out there, just a little more firepower that they need. Buck, the, uh, the last one, my last point on this. Oh, yeah, last point on this one, Buck, I'll get over to you. I thought this game, and I don't want to blame coaching on this, but you know, when you're playing the 49ers and you're fourth and five at the 40, 45 yard line, you're kind of in that no man's land. I, I just feel like in the playoffs, the teams are so evenly matched that you're not going to be rewarded for playing passively. You're going to have to be aggressive. And I, I just thought this was not really an aggressive approach to, to the end of the game when they ended up punting, you know, assuming your defense is going to be able to get a snap against one of the most physical uh, and best running teams in the NFL with Christian McCaffrey uh, in the fold and Debo Samuel and Kyle Shanahan's scheme and Trent Williams. I just thought it was uh, it wasn't you know we're pushing all of our chips in. We believe in our guys. That was kind of a passive approach. Yeah, you know the one thing that I worry about with the Dallas Cowboys. It, it look it's a common thing. I worry about this team being on the details. And so you pointed out Dalton Schultz and the lazy play at the end of the game. Not having enough awareness. No, hey, man, put both feet down. Make sure you're in. You get out of bounds. Uh, another play, when you, you have the reception, and instead of going forward, you go backwards, so the clock continues to run. And so this is a team that has had game management, situational awareness issues throughout Mike McCarthy's tenure. And so I just wonder if this team is ever going to get that part shored up because certainly they're talented enough to be one of those teams that we talk about being worthy of being in the Final Four. But the details, and the details matter in these big games, in these moments in the postseason, where it's the little plays that turn into the big plays that ultimately decide games. I wonder if the Cowboys can be disciplined enough, if they can be detailed enough to win these games going forward, because there's something that is lacking in their DNA that keeps them from winning these close games like this. No doubt. And look... Dak Prescott's not going anywhere with his contract, but he's got to be better. He just He's flat out was late on throws. The ball was getting away from him. He wasn't controlling the ball, missed some opportunities over the top. So I don't want to leave this discussion without, you know, he, he needs to own some of that. And he did. He, he's a stand-up guy. He owned it after the game. He's going to have to get better uh, if this team is going to move further on in the postseason in the future. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it is officially mock draft season. Uh, mine came out last week. We're going to dig into that one a little bit. Bucky's uh, it's coming out today. It is actually out right now, so you can check that one out as well. Uh, we'll jump in and talk a little draft right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think. Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. All right, it's mock draft season. I've got uh, the first one out that I had to do. Bucky's uh, just came out as well, so be on the lookout for that. You can find both those on NFL.com. Buck, we're going to jump into yours tomorrow. Uh, today, we're going to take a quick peek here at the first uh, shot I took at this thing, which was, by the way, universally praised and well-received on social media. Not an ounce of criticism. Everybody was super excited uh, with how yeah. it went. Uh, I'm assuming that. I don't check my mentions, but I assume it was all positive. Uh, let's jump in here and see where we had this thing going. No trades for me in the first one, so let's just line up and pick them. 
Chicago Bears, I'm sure they would love to get out, but if they're picking right there, I had them taking Jalen Carter from Georgia. Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama, he goes to the Houston Texans. Uh, Will Anderson, edge rusher from Alabama. Alabama goes back-to-back. He's the third pick to the Cardinals. Will Levis, uh, who seems to be the lightning rod in this draft class, quarterback out of Kentucky to the Colts. Tyree Wilson, edge rusher to the Seahawks. Uh, Devon Witherspoon, my top corner, he goes to the Lions at 6, 7. Uh, Peter Skaronsky, offensive lineman out of Northwestern, can play guard or tackle for the Raiders. Uh, at eight, the Falcons going Lucas Van Ness, kind of a kind of a high riser through this past season out of Iowa. C.J. Stroud, uh, he goes to the Panthers at nine. They get their quarterback. And the Eagles, as they always do, go to the line of scrimmage and get Miles Murphy from Clemson. So there's the top ten buck. Uh, big takeaway from you would be what? Jalen Carter at number one over Will Anderson. Uh, I just want to know why the inside rush as opposed to the outside rusher for the Chicago Bears. When you think about Matt Eberflus and what this team wants to do in terms of playing their style or their version of Tampa 2, uh, it requires pass rushers. And so I just wonder, Will Anderson is a more accomplished pass rusher. Why him over Jalen Carter at the top of the board? Yeah, I had Jalen Carter because I think it's harder to find that guy. And if you use the phrase Tampa 2, was it harder to find Warren Sapp or was it harder to find Simeon Rice? Now, they're both unbelievable players. Uh, but to me, it's it's just more difficult to find interior disruptors, interior pass rushers. You can't account for them. We've seen it, obviously, in recent history uh, with Aaron Donald, the way he's been able to take over football games. I just think there's positional value-wise – I might place more of it for a player like Jalen Carter, who I think is just harder to find. Uh, even though Will Anderson I love as a phenomenal player, uh, that's why I had that uh, going the way it was there. Rhett, your uh, your takeaways? Yeah, and I guess I'll just uh, follow up that real quick because you think about the move that the Colts made when Eberflus was there as the D.C. to go get DeForest Buckner as an interior player and, and, and maybe give some credence to that thought of Jalen Carter over Will Anderson there in the interior for the Bears uh, as well. I think the quarterback part, not necessarily the Bryce Young thing. I don't think anybody would be shocked if the Texans go quarterback, and I don't, certainly don't think anybody would be shocked if Bryce Young is the first guy off the board, um, although you could probably have that debate, and we will for the next three months for sure. But I was kind of curious as to why you ended up going <laughs> Will Levis over C.J. Stroud there. And, uh, look, I know I, I feel like at this point I like C.J. Stroud a little bit better. Um, you know, I think the last piece of tape that we saw from him might have been his very best, and that was that game against Georgia. Ultimately a loss, but played very well against that good defense. I feel like that's, that would be a home run there for the Colts, although I still like Levis. I think I would have gone with C.J. Stroud if I was Chris Ballard there at four. Why did you ultimately make that that choice, Deej? Yeah, no, again, this is not going to be how I have him. As you guys both know, it's going to be what I think would happen. Yeah. And I just think Chris Ballard uh, is somebody that's always been traits-obsessed. He's always wanted guys that offered some unique ability. Now, if you just want to watch them and watch their cut-ups, you're going to come away saying C.J. Stroud, he's more consistent, he's more accurate. I would say this. I don't know that one player on Kentucky's offense would start for Ohio State, uh, and yeah. Levis is playing in, against tougher competition on a consistent basis. So uh, there are high highs for him and some low lows. Uh, his worst tape is going to be much worse than what you see from C.J. Stroud. But I think with his sure. athleticism and what he can do movement-wise, I love what Stroud did in that last game, but you have a lot more uh, canvas to go off of in terms of Levis's athleticism and his ability to extend, create plays, make things happen on a pretty inferior team there uh, in the SEC right. at Kentucky. So, again, not that I would take him over Stroud uh, at this early point in the process. Uh, right now I have Stroud over him. But if you're thinking of Chris Ballard Buck, um, you know, a guy that, that you can monitor and track his track record thus far, 
He likes the guys that are, you know, traitsy, and that is definitely Will Levis. Yeah, that definitely is Will Levis. It's, it's interesting. That's going to be the fascinating discussion. And I already know because uh, we're going to get hit up about it. Everyone is going to attempt to make the comparison between Will Levis and Josh Allen. I think it's a little different, but we'll see. That will be the debate that we will have on the podcast, on Path to the Draft, on every other show that we have on the network. Will Levis is going to be squarely in the crosshairs because I think he's going to be one of the more polarizing prospects in this draft class. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, all right, let's get to the rest of it here. Let's go 11 through 20 and see if anything jumps out to you guys. At 11, we've got the Tennessee Titans uh, going Paris Johnson out of Ohio State. I won't rip through each and every one of these picks, but a couple interesting Thanks. ones. You've got Brian Branch is a uh, – thanks, you're welcome. Uh, Brian Branch could play some, some nickel, could play some safety. At, I'm not so sure he couldn't play outside a little bit. Uh, going to the Patriots at 14, that Alabama, uh, Bill Belichick, Nick Saban connection, not a surprise there. I've got Trenton Simpson, a linebacker, going 18 to the Lions as they try and remake their front seven. And I've got another edge rusher going to Seattle at 20. So I have them going with two edge rushers, try and juice up their pass rush a little bit. I know that's something that uh, Pete Carroll – uh, wanted to focus on. Rhett, I'll go to you first on this one. 11 through 20, names, uh, positions, yeah. teams. What jumps out at you? Yeah, yeah. I, I think Joey Porter at 12 to the Houston Texans. You know, after they get their quarterback, you know, and then you're talking about another marquee position in today's league, right? You talk about shutdown corners. Got one last year all the way up at the top at number three with Derek Stingley. Uh, was off to a really nice rookie campaign. Got banged up towards the end of the season. Didn't see him a ton in the second half. And now you pair him up with Joey Porter Jr. I mean, you want to talk about long levers and athletic traits and a guy that was the best in the business, um, or at least uh, right up there during the entirety of his Big Ten career in terms of corners in that conference um, and facing pretty dang good receivers, too. Uh, and obviously the name should sound familiar. Uh, it will be. And, it, you know, a real, real fierce competitor type of guy. I just I like Joey Porter. I think that's a real interesting way to go at it with the Houston Texans, you know, to find a pair, you know, of shutdown type corners in Stingley and now in Joey Porter, if that's how that ends up falling. I think that's real intriguing there in the AFC South. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, it's really when intriguing you, when in you terms look of at that team. At... And Buck, I want to get to you. Let me let me tee up on this, Buck, real quick. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. But your Jags, mm-hmm. this is a division in the AFC South that yeah. if you're going to build your team to win in the division, you had your sights set on the Tennessee Titans and the Indianapolis Colts, two rock'em, sock'em, physical line of scrimmage teams. Think about the big-time backs, Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry. I feel like now when you see the trajectory the Jags are on with Trevor yeah. Lawrence – I feel like if you're building your team to win that division, as Houston is going to attempt to do, I think the Jags and what they can do throwing the football is going to be more in your sight line than maybe the physicality of the Titans and the Colts previously. I think that's the way you have to build your team in this division right now with with your Jaguars in mind. You know, it's funny because we're in there speaking the same language because I was going to talk to you about the depth of the cornerback class. Like looking at four guys in that last little 10 section block, it, it speaks to what teams are going for. Uh, it is funny because the league has shifted. We have seen more two deep safeties, more umbrella coverages where they are taking away the deep ball and they're still trying to tighten up the coverage underneath. Some of that is with two man, some of that is with some of the quarter stuff where guys are staying on top of really squeezing. And so when I look at the guys that you have listed, uh, Christian Gonzalez, uh, the versatile player in Branch, and then you talked about Joey Porter Jr., long guys, athletic guys who have what I would say very deep toolboxes that enable them to do a few different things. It's going to be interesting to look at this class. I'm really excited to study them because it appears to be some ballers and playmakers in this group. 
Yeah, I've got 10 or 11 corners looking at my list that I think are, you know, potential first round guys that are going to be in the mix. I think you're going to oh. see you're going to see at least 10 corners go in the top 50 picks. You might end up seeing 13 corners go in the top 50 picks. Kind of what we've had with receivers in years past. I think it's going to be corners this year. Uh, it's a good group. It's a good deep group. Uh, let's get to the uh, let's get to the finale here. Let's go 21 through 32 and see if we don't have any other questions here. 21 was a fun one for me. Dalton Kincaid, who I love at tight end, uh, coming out of Utah. He goes to the Chargers to give Justin Herbert a big time weapon. We've got Bijan Robinson. Don't know where to put him, where to place him. Uh, he's a top 10 player in this draft. I have him going to the Buffalo Bills uh, all the way down there at 27. But, uh, you know, it wouldn't shock me if, if somebody took him much, much higher than that. It's, t- it's tricky trying to figure out uh, the running back position there. And then you've got the last one uh, there at the bottom, 31, Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver out of Ohio State, who would be a perfect slot for the Philadelphia Eagles. You have Devontae Smith on one side. You've got A.J. Brown on the other. You throw him in the slot, and good luck. Uh, trying to stop those guys. So, Buck, your takeaway here, 21 through 30. Actually, I should say 31. I've got to get used to that. Only 31 first-round picks this year. The Miami Dolphins uh, had theirs taken away. So go ahead, Buck. Well, I know there's some people in the Charm City that are really looking at that Anthony Richardson pick to the Baltimore Ravens, trying to figure out what does that mean for the Ravens (laughs) and what the Ravens are going to do going forward with Lamar Jackson. Uh, Considering that Greg Roman is no longer the offensive coordinator, what does that mean? Is Richardson there to maybe play a backup role uh, for Lamar Jackson while Lamar Jackson plays on the franchise tag and then he graduates and Anthony Richardson takes over? Or is this a situation where we believe Anthony Richardson, who has tremendous tools and traits, is he going to be a guy that can play in any offense? To me, I think that's the fascinating discussion after those last handful of picks. All right. I want to get to your point on that one here, Rhett, and I'm going to ask you to answer this yeah. as well. We all have kids. So let me just, I'm going to, I'm going to give you, this is from the Ravens press conference that I listened to the other day uh, with John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta. The question was, will Lamar Jackson be your starting quarterback week one next season? And the answer was not yes from Eric DaCosta. It was, I don't see why he wouldn't be. So let me, let me just, let me just, let me just change the scenario here. Okay, Rhett, you have, as your kids get older, the boys get older and Buck, you've already been through this. Um, hey, will you be home at 11 p.m. tonight, son? I don't see why I wouldn't be. Uh, that's not the answer that I'm looking for. A, a simple yeah. yes. Yes, I will be. That's it. It's just a little semantics there that I was like, you know what? This thing, the contract's not done. So we can all say, John Harbaugh, 200%, he's going to be here. Well, there's no contract. So at this point in time, I don't think we can take that as gospel. That, that's just my take. Can I all- can I offer an alternative John Harbaugh answer um, to that same question? And, and I think I think it might fit the, the family mold a little bit. While nobody knows what the future holds, I expect to be enthusiastically coaching Lamar Jackson in the season opener for the Baltimore Ravens <laughs> next year. That, would that have been? Would that have? Would that have sufficed? Would that have satisfied Mixing you? Mixing your Harbaughs. Mixing oh, your okay. Harbaughs together. Right. Nice. It. Yeah. Nicely yeah. done. Uh, all right. Hey, let me let me jump in with, uh, uh, with what you, I saw Rhett? here from 21 to 31. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of talked about it a little bit when I was talking about Daniel Jones and supporting him when we were talking about that Giants-Eagles game. I think that's a real nice spot for the Giants to be in in terms of wide receiver class this year. And and I'm glad you mocked Jordan Addison there to them. They just they need more dynamic playmakers, you know, and 
uh, after you know wasting a first round pick on Kadarius Tony, and and by say you know wasting it because he's no longer there anymore, and he's made some plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. Not saying he's a bad player, just saying it didn't work out for them there, so it feels like a waste. Um, got to go get a guy to support Daniel Jones. You just you got to continue to do that. And I, I, DJ, does it feel like that's kind of the sweet spot for wide receivers? I mean, that's your first one off the board right there, and you know you only get two in totality in the first round. Yeah, no, I, I'm curious to see where these guys go. And I know I've gotten questions. Why is this guy not in there? Why is that guy not in there? I think the, uh, the teams and that I've talked to and just doing my own evaluation, not high on this receiver class. So they're willing to wait, push these guys down a little bit. I don't think we see a ton of these guys go early. Um, I will say this, uh, it's kind of an interesting spot. 17, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know, uh, they have pieces. Uh, I you obviously love what they got from George Pickens. But, man, you've got a quarterback in Kenny Pickett who made some sweet, sweet music with Jordan Addison at Pitt. Uh, that would be tempting, Ooh. even though they have offensive line that needs to be addressed. Uh, I'm sure corners is big on their priority list, but that would be a that would be a fun one to see those guys get back together where they played college ball together. Go ahead, Brett. Hey, by the way, by the way, um, is this the third year in a row, the fourth year in a row that we've mocked a first round running back to the Buffalo Bills? Like, I feel like it was Najee Harris two yeah, years ago. Happens. It was Brees yeah. Hall last year, Bijan Robinson this year. Maybe, maybe we they get should it. have. Sometimes a charm. Maybe yeah. they should have. Yeah, maybe they yeah. should have watching them play against Cincinnati. Uh, Buck, uh, running backs, Bijan Robinson. Again, I, are you in the same boat as me in that? Love the player. I just I'm, I just don't know where he's going to go. And it could be way high up there. It could be down here in the range where we have him in this one. It's funny because you have him going to the Buffalo Bills, and I think that would be a great spot for him. But how about the pick that's right before them, the Dallas Cowboys? We have seen uh, what the Dallas Cowboys potentially would need uh, with Ezekiel Elliott being on his last leg, Tony Pollard suffering an injury, and that offense needing some juice. I think somewhere in that range, Bijan Robinson should go because there's no denying the talent. The guy is an unbelievable playmaker with the ball in his hands. He can run it physically between the tackles. He can catch the ball out the backfield. This is a, um, I mean, a premier running back. It's just that the position has been devalued so much that you just don't know where to peg him because you just don't know how league executives are going to view taking a running back in the first round. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see uh, where he ends up going. But, man, he is a phenomenal football player. Uh, so we'll see. Again, Bucky's uh, mock draft is out as well. We're going to jump into that one tomorrow. We'll get a chance to break that one down. This was a, a fun one today, breaking down these games. We'll get into Bucky's mock draft on the next episode. We'll have a chance uh, later on in the week to preview the conference championship games, which should be a lot of fun. So appreciate you guys hanging with us here. Uh, we'll see you next time right here on Move the Stick. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids. No plug needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Oh, oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. 